As many different rules and regulations as there are for driving, there's probably one that really seems to surpass them all. Keep your eyes on the road. If you think about it, it's imperative. It's rather important that we do this because there are so many variables at play for when we're driving. Whether we're on the road and going to a destination for the first time, or going to a place that we've been hundreds of times, we still have to watch because there's all sorts of different things. There's pedestrians that often walk across the road. Sometimes there's a stray animal, or sometimes there's even other vehicles that we have to be watching for. We have to have a virtue that is called vigilance. That simple alertness that we need, that simple ability to watch, to be aware of our surroundings, and to see what is at hand. And indeed, even for our own time, that we need that vigilance as well. To be individuals that are strong and independent, we need that virtue. But what about a people that live their lives of faith well? What about that virtue of being one that is watching, one that is vigilant? We start off this morning with the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, we can hear that he is struggling with a moment of plight for the house of Israel because they are a people that as many different gifts and blessings as they have been given from God, they start to encounter all sorts of difficulty because they're not actually following the will of God. They become indifferent. They become despondent. They are not listening to the Lord anymore. And so Isaiah, as a minister of the Lord, is filled with this bitterness and he's filled with sadness and sorrow, so much so that he cries out to the Lord his God, why have you let us wander off? Why have you let us become hard of heart? Look what has happened. And indeed, he's calling out because he sees the ways that there is utter depravity that is set in in the entire house of Israel, of God's chosen people, and therefore, they've been let to have the consequences of their sin, as if God is indeed angry with them. And so we hear that their good deeds are as polluted rags, that they, even though they were God's chosen people, that they have chosen against him. And because of that, a lot of what they've chosen has spoiled. But nonetheless, at the very end, Isaiah knows that this is not a hopeless situation, but rather he's speaking to the Lord because he wants something from him. In the beginning of the reading, we hear, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The central Advent theme, that the Lord is coming and will not delay. And he wants the earth to be shaken so that people don't have that option any longer to be indifferent to the Lord their God. But he would rather have them to be awoken, to be aware, so that they finally listen to the Lord and heed his commands and truly enter into a loving relationship with their Lord and with their God. Because indeed, they are the clay of his hands and the work as well. They need some help, even though they've been indifferent at this time. And so that simple prayer that we hear in the responsorial psalm, Lord, make us turn to you, let us see your face, and we shall be saved. That was Isaiah's prayer, and maybe it's even ours to some degree, even in these days, when we see so many people turning away from faith and living lives independent of the Lord their God, as struggling and as indifferent as they may be. Then we move on and we hear from St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians. He starts this letter off in the usual way that he does, giving thanks to God for all of the things that have happened in the church in Corinth. But as he goes through, he's aware that the church in Corinth are paying attention, that they are a different people, that they've got a fixation within their hearts on being watchful for the Lord. And so he starts praying for that grace. He's giving thanks to God that they've responded to his grace, that he's given them the grace to be 
be a faithful people and to continue to respond to that call to conversion. But then he also continues on because he knows that the battle in this life is not just one moment, but it's the entire, our entire life long. And so he starts to ask for that grace for them to be resilient, to continue to watch for the Lord as long as it takes, then to be found without reproach at the end of time. And so as much grace as they've received and as much as St. Paul acknowledges, he still asks the Lord for more because he knows they need to continue to remain vigilant as they have and they need to continue to watch for the day of the Lord. And then finally we arrive at the gospel according to Mark and we hear that Jesus is giving these simple two commands at the beginning. Be watchful, be alert. And then he continues to illustrate what exactly that means. Because he goes through, and it is as a man is taking a journey, that he leaves his servants in charge of different things. Each has his own work. And he tells the guard to be watchful, to be vigilant, to be a person that is continuing to seek the master or seek anything else that might need attention. And so then he goes on the journey. But then the servants are left with this task, and even the guardsman himself, they have to watch because the master didn't say when he was returning. Maybe in the evening, maybe at midnight, maybe at cockcrow at the very dawn of the next day, or maybe sometime in that morning. It doesn't matter. Nonetheless, they need to be a people that are preparing for that moment. And so the Lord just gives them that simple requirement that he doesn't want them to be a people that are sleeping or being caught as if they're sleeping, but rather what he wants them to do instead, this one simple word that can sum up the entirety of today's gospel, watch, be vigilant, pay attention. But in this day and age, isn't that a difficult undertaking? In this time, isn't that something that is really difficult to understand? Because vigilance takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of our strength. But what does it take to be a person that is living out of vigilance in their life of faith? Recognizing the central theme of Advent, waiting for the Lord. What does it mean for us to be truly vigilant, to be watchful, to be awaiting, and to be aware that the Lord is coming and will not delay? Well, certainly we can talk about the virtue of vigilance itself, how we need to be aware. But what does it look like whenever our life of faith is struggling? Because we can see the two different parties of people. We see the church in Corinth, how they're really excelling at being vigilant. But look at the house of Israel, how much they were struggling, how much they were actually not vigilant. They were indifferent. They saw the Lord and they couldn't be bothered to enter into a relationship. What keeps us from being like them? Well, as many different virtues or as many different positives we can give for that virtue of vigilance, I think it's important for us to realize the different pitfalls or dangers. Because it's not just about that vigilance, it's not just about the virtue of faith, but even prayer itself, and even sometimes these things can also apply to driving as well. These are things that we have to watch out for so that we don't fall into utter ruin or we aren't surprised by a diff something that happens or a different variable that crosses our path. The first thing that we can often struggle with is this, this, this theme of distraction. That in life we have so much chaos, so much confusion, so many different things that are calling for our attention. That even right here, right now at this Mass, many of us, if not all of us, are struggling with something that is trying to get our attention. And it is not of the Lord and it is not of our God. And ultimately this is an internal battle because it shows the way that God is pining for first place in our life. But ultimately there are other things 
things that want to dethrone him and take that away, whatever it may be. It could be power, it could be prestige, it could be something that's going on in our life right here and right now, but it provides us an opportunity at every distraction we face. Because whenever we face a distraction on the road, what do we do? We refocus and we reorient back on the road that is ahead. And we need to do that with our life of faith as well, because it shows us just how much we are focused on our Lord, how much we want to put him in first place, that we aren't even willing to let distraction come in the way. But then there is also something else that can enter into our life with our Lord, that we can often be self-centered. Because we can worship the Lord when it feels good or when it looks good, or maybe out of obligation, but what happens when no one's looking? What happens whenever we have that opportunity to go away? Or whenever no one's looking, no one's paying attention, no one's going to see it anyway, and so therefore we don't bother with the life of prayer because it's inconvenient to number one. That it doesn't really vest, my, it isn't my vested interest to continue to enter in a relationship with the Lord our God. It may not be so explicit in our soul or in our hearts, but nonetheless it can be there that we simply want to put number one in first place. And if we're driving, what happens? all sorts of chaos, that we know that sometimes we need to yield, we need to give right of way, and so it doesn't make sense that we can live our life in a selfish way, and especially our life of faith. We shouldn't be selfish with that either. And then there is a third option of something that we could struggle with, and that is dryness. That entering into prayer, and we realize that at times when we speak to the Lord, it feels as if he's not responding. Or sometimes if we ask for something that he hasn't given an answer. And so sometimes we feel that prayer is dry, or that it's not very rewarding, that it's not this emotionally intense experience. But so many of the spiritual masters had the same thing. We can't think that we're struggling in a life of holiness and that we're not called to a life of holiness if our lives are filled with dryness. Look at Mother of Teresa. So many years of her life, we only found out after she had lived that she had struggled with dryness every single day. Yet she continued to show up to prayer each and every day, dedicating a holy hour and spending time with her Lord because she knew it was important. And in time, it did pay off. But maybe that's not any of the things we're struggling with. Maybe we're struggling with a lack of faith. Now, certainly that seems absurd to say to a group of people that are sitting in a church in the pew, but it's something, something that can be rather insidious because we don't recognize when it happens. Because we might trust the Lord a little bit in these abstract or obscure things, or maybe just these small little circumstances, maybe just an answer on a test or something like that. But what about the bigger questions in life? What about the things where the Lord can truly make a difference? Do we trust him with those things? Because my brothers and sisters, so often we don't. Sometimes we only trust ourselves because we feel like we're the only ones that can force something to happen. And so in those moments, we have a choice. So many times we choose wrongly, that we choose against faith. We choose to presume upon our own strength, our own selves. We trust only in ourselves and we forget everyone else because we simply want to choose for number one. And we want to feel like we're going to be able to force it to happen. Or maybe we just presume upon God's mercy. We assume that in time it's going to work out. That we just feel like we don't have to say sorry because the Lord's just going to take care of it at the end of time. But if we truly believe that, have we ever believed in the Lord's mercy? If we believe in the Lord's mercy, we're going to ask for it. We're going to be beating down the door of the confessional because we want that mercy for ourselves, no matter how long it's been. It's a judgment-free zone. The Lord is there. He wants to give us mercy, but we can't presume upon ourselves or we can't have a lack of faith in what happens in the sacrament or even in our own spiritual journey. Sometimes it is a lack of faith 
Sometimes we don't truly believe enough that the Lord is there and that he's going to do what he has said and what he has promised. But then there's a fifth one that's a little bit on the more common to us and very much more popular, and that is the sin of Asadia. That is that sin of apathy that whenever we are entering into our spiritual journey, that we start to feel fatigued and feel weak, and therefore we just give up the battle to have good faith altogether. Because whenever we're living that life of faith, whenever we're living that spiritual journey, sometimes we forget it's going to take energy. That the things in life that are worth doing are worth pouring energy into, and they're going to be very difficult to attain. But nonetheless, many times in faith, we kind of let that go to the side. Or we feel that it is difficult, we become depressed and discouraged, and we just kind of let it float by. And indeed, our world struggles with this so much today because there is an apathy out there that if we look outside, it's not hard to see the house of Israel that is moved with full indifference to the Lord our God. But how sorry it is because we look outside and we see so many wounded and hurting people and they just feel like they don't have the answer when it's been staring them in the face all along. It's the Lord our God. We can't let ourselves be suffering with that spiritual apathy either. That we can't be suffering from Acadia ourselves because so often in our life we may not be stretching ourselves. We may not be trying to enter into prayer. We may not be struggling to put more time in for our Lord and our God because we find out it takes effort and we just kind of let it go to the side. But really, the Lord is calling us to be strengthened, to be renewed, to be a people that are going the distance. Because if you think about a long car journey, many times it does take a lot of endurance. It takes a lot of strength that has never been there before. But nonetheless, what do we do? We prepare well and we run the race anyway because we want to reach that final destination. Because all of these things that we might hold in common with driving, whether it's driving without distraction, driving in a selfless way and not a selfish way, or driving through the dryness or the boredom or the monotony, or seeing those ways that we have to have faith that we will get where we're going, or finally having the energy and the endurance to drive well and to get to our final destination. All of these things are part and parcel of being a vigilant person, of being a watchful person, of being one that believes with all of our heart and soul that the Lord is coming and will not delay. And even in the circumstances of this life, as difficult as they might be, that the Lord is going to enter into those and he will answer and he will answer very soon. Because the reality is that this season of Advent, it is a season of preparation, not just for the Lord who became incarnate so long ago and was born and lived, born in a manger in Bethlehem. Not just that, but the Lord that is coming for each and every one of us in time. That the season of Advent prepares us for both of them at the same time. But what that calls us to do on this first week of Advent is to be vigilant. So maybe that is something that we should pray for this week, that insight to see. If I'm called to be a vigilant person, if I feel like I am being called to be more alert and more aware, where is that area of struggle? What is that particular weakness that I'm struggling with? And then we start to enter in in different ways into that particular issue so that we can be strengthened by the time that Lord is coming. Because the season of Advent promises us one thing. The Lord is coming and will not delay. But whenever he comes, he doesn't want to find us like the house of Israel that Isaiah was speaking into. That he wants to find us as the church in Corinth, that are waiting for the Lord and diligently doing the work that has been set before us as a people united in faith and in prayer and who want to seek to strive to build a better relationship with the Lord our God. Maybe it's not just a rule for the road. Maybe it's not just something that we're taught when we're first learning to drive. 
But maybe it's something that we should have whenever we live a life of faith and whenever we enter into prayer with our Lord our God. Maybe we need to be a people with both eyes on the road.